As long as we all agree, the third movie is always the worst. Welcome to Divisive Issues, a comic book podcast where we also talk about things that aren't comic books, like movies sometimes, like this time. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapple. I'm Phil Maverick, yes? And I'm Brian Ahrens. Welcome! Thanks. We have a special guest, like we do on all the movie episodes. This is Brian. You may know him from... All the questions he gives us. You may know him as our number one fan. Yes. Besides yourselves, of course. Yeah, no one's a bigger fan of me than me. Except for Phil, because no one likes Phil. Shit. No, Phil's garbage. But that's besides the point. What are we talking about today, Brian? Talking about X-Men Apocalypse, which somehow received a worse review on Rotten Tomatoes than X3. Yeah, that seems crazy to me. (laughs) That ain't right. So, let's give a quick elevator pitch. Sly? What is this movie about, Sly? Sly, tell us what it's about! (laughs) So, this movie's about... uh... Ancient Egyptian. What's it about, Sly? It's about an ancient Egyptian mutant called Apocalypse. He's he's like, oh, I love the strong, hate the weak. I want to kill the weak. And basically, he comes, he wakes up in the modern day. And he's like, I'm going to kill the weak guys and help all the strong guys. And he has four horsemen who suck and don't do anything while he's <laughs> while he does all the work for himself. And uh, then X Men fight him. That's the movie. Okay, that sounds yep. pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, general thoughts. Sly, you seemed very mad at that. Did you like the movie? No, I, I like the movie a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Classic Sly. I'm going to steal Phil's ideas on this and say, I think it's a really, really good X-Men movie. Uh, it's not a very, very good movie uh, as a standalone film. Oh, thanks, Sly. Now, now I have nothing to say. Yeah, fuck Hey, uh, <laughs> for the record, how's that Phil's idea? I said that to you the moment the credits rolled. All right, so why don't you guys clarify my thoughts for me? Phil, what do you feel about the movie? Uh, you know how I feel? I feel like it's a great X-Men movie, but not a great regular movie. Um, why is but that? But just to be, to, be, to be more serious, um, I do feel like it is kind of like an inverse Dark Knight where it does not appeal to a general audience, but it really appeals to fans of X-Men. And thanks to Sly forcing me to read X-Men when we were in sixth grade, I really like X-Men, so I like the movie a lot. But... For, for your average moviegoer, you go to this movie, and unlike every other Marvel film, which is all about, you know, main male uh, superhero having fun, giving one-liners as he punches people, um, which everyone seems to like, this movie takes itself very seriously. There's maybe three jokes in the whole movie, and two of them are just Nightcrawler going, what? And... <laughs> and, you know, it it's focused a lot more on the X-Men doing X-Men things... And not on fun. It's it's not it's not a very fun movie. So we'll get to what those X Men things entail exactly. But I do just want to specify. Uh, you mentioned like different Marvel movies, like Captain America and stuff like that. And, you know, the strong male with the one liner and the strong jaw. But uh, I just do want to just clarify that the Fantastic Four movies and the X Men movies and Deadpool are made by Fox. And the and the Captain America and Avenger movies are made by Marvel Studios. So even though Fox pretends that they're affiliated with Marvel by having like almost the same logo, it just doesn't say Studios under it. They are actually two totally separate companies, and they don't really get along at all. So, what, what about Spider Man? What, what is he in? Spider Man is actually in between two companies right now. Ah, the good old Studio DP. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're just sharing them all the time now, so it gets pretty sticky icky in there. Sounds like college. <laughs> they're sharing him, and that's where all that wind fluid comes from. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. Well, Brian, what does he think about this movie? Oh, yeah, what do you think? I enjoyed the movie. Um, I think out of the three prequel trilogy. Uh, so, First Class, Days of Future Past, Gaze of Putrid Ass. <laughs> Days and... of Future Ass. <laughs> I think it's the weakest of the three, but that does, I still think it's a great movie. You think this is weaker than First Class? Yeah. Uh, first Class is the best X-Men movie. Fight me! First, I think that they... First class is the best one, and then from there they, you know, the next two get a little worse each time. And third I, is the one with the hairy chest. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be the same exact joke, Ryan. Fuck oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I do enjoy all three of the newest X Men movies. Now, to give a little bit of Brian's secret origin, you haven't really read a whole lot of comics. Have you read any X Men comics at all? Not really. Fucking dweeb. You should be cool like us. We yeah. fucking uh, X Men four hundred and shit like that. <laughs> uh, X-Men 400 I don't know what happens in X-Men 400 isn't that fucking Chuck Austin's run fuck you Slug yeah I don't know what the fuck I think that number so <laughs> the Draco you read the fucking Draco all day motherfucker <laughs> yeah. but uh, you've seen all the X-Men movies right yeah and I, I, I kind of got into X-Men uh, through X-Men uh, Evolution on, mm. uh, it's run on Cartoon Network Cool, and, uh, cool, cool. their abrupt ending to the uh, apocalypse arc where they never actually finish it on the channel. Oh, that blows. <laughs> or maybe they did at a later point, but I never saw it because they could. Did this fulfill your wanting a, a, a closure with that? This kind of like when I saw the previews for this, I'm like, oh, cool. I remember who I finally get is. to get off. <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah, that's the way to put it. But uh, I was like, oh, good. I get to finally, you know, this character's back. I get to see the whole story play out. And uh you know, it was it was good. Were you, were you satisfied? Up, were you appointed or disappointed? I didn't really know Apocalypse as a character. I just knew him as like a concept, a conceptual villain. So like, it, I didn't. I didn't really. I went in kind of blind to it. I knew him as a thing the Bible says happens. Yeah, I knew him as a thing that they keep referring to as the Bible in the movie. Yeah, they make a lot of. Uh, we'll get into his backstory because I think that's also a little convoluted of where he's from. Uh, Unlike in the comics, where his, his backstory is completely linear and very straightforward. Good sarcasm, Sly. Good, good sarcasm. So, do you guys want to get into the movie? Let's no, do that. No, let's cancel episode right here. Uh, we did it once. <laughs> I had to start over. Yeah, let's shame Sly publicly. Yeah, podcast apocalypse. <laughs> okay, Spoilers, so who... we're going into the plot now. Yeah, we're going into the movie. If you're an X-Men fan or you liked First Class Days of Future Past, go see it. I yeah. really don't get why it's getting so skewered. Is right. it the best movie in the world? No. But is it worse than X3? Fucking no goddamn way. Definitely want to recommend, if you like X-Men, do not listen past this point. Go watch this movie. If yeah, you don't like you X-Men and don't played. know anything about it, maybe just... Don't maybe don't listen to the podcast and just leave. Because <laughs> we don't want your business. If you don't know who the X-Men are, then kudos to you that you listen to a, a podcast about comic books. And you've never heard of the X-Men. I got to this episode. <laughs> yeah. How'd you find us? Like, are we on the porn site somewhere? What? 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 Is, it, is this an ad? Why is that your first? I don't know. I can't think did of you find us? Through, did you find us linked in a Spider-Man DP fanfic? You should put a survey at the end of your podcast. How did you hear about us? Yeah. yeah. So, movie opens up with Apocalypse. He's a guy from ancient Egypt. He has four horsemen who like are his like right hand men. And the movie gets... is opens in ancient Egypt. Yeah. Thirty six hundred like, BC. Yeah. But yeah, Apocalypse is ancient Egypt guy. 
Uh, he has four horsemen. And he basically gets new bodies periodically. He swaps bodies with people. And he swaps bodies with Oscar Isaac, uh, who is Poe Dameron from Star Wars. Very charming. Yeah. So also, the horsemen, the horsemen never have horses in the movie, by the way. Yeah, none of the horsemen have any horses. Bullshit. But, um... So, so he gets a new body, but <laughs> as he's getting the new body, uh, people in Egypt are like, fuck this guy, he's gonna kill us all, we have to kill him, and they basically trap his body under, they explode the pyramid he's in, and they trap his body under the pyramid. Uh, they basically he, set up the world's largest game of mousetrap? Yeah, I do not understand that. How, and they like... <laughs> how did that happen? Because the, the pyramid didn't just collapse, it fell into like a hole that was built there, like they built like a, a, a tunnel for this pyramid to fall in? I guess they, they were, they were, all the workers planned that out in advance. <laughs> For stones to hit? Yeah, uh, they like set up this giant like Rube Gold... Ain't, what's like a... Uh, Rube Goldberg. Ra, uh, an Osiris Ra Goldberg machine, I guess. <laughs> and it like, like nobody, like none of the slave drivers noticed that they built this like collapsible pyramid. <laughs> well, well, I think the slave drivers uh, knew it. I think they were the ones in on it. Some of them at least. It was like a, like a, it did seem like a or- very organized, like, coup. Like, they were giving hand signals to each other as they all hammered the right columns and closed the doors at the same time. And then they had, okay, like, assassins. They were also... And then they were, like, death to the false god. And then, yeah. They were yeah. standing on, like, really, really far away places of the pyramid. And they were just, like, raising two fingers. And then a guy, like, a hundred <laughs> miles away is like, oh, shit, it's time to knock down this cage. <laughs> It was a very, very long scene, too. And I, I feel like this, this action scene actually transitions into another. The, the first 15 minutes of the movie are just, like, shit exploding. And yeah. you don't know who anyone is. This is one thing that I think uh, I, I really wanted to point out about the movie pretty early. Is there are a lot of scenes that I was like, this looks so cool. And then about a minute or two minutes in, I'm like, wait. This, has been, this cool looking thing has been going on long enough that I have to question, wait, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Alright, so after the fuck is trapped in the rubble, we get our badass X-Men intro with the fucking theme song. And dun, 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 dun. I need to comment on the intro after the whole pyramid collapsing <laughs> yeah. thing. Okay, why do they sh- they show like... <laughs> this, this intro is fucking hilarious. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. They show like communism and Nazis. <laughs> yeah. And like it's just like going through history in like a, a metal tube. And, <laughs> yeah, they're going through a metal tube. And it's just like historical events. So it's like, look, a painting from the Renaissance. It's the yeah, Mona they had Lisa. Mona Lisa. <laughs> and then it's like, look, Nazis. All the extensions are pretty over the top. They're all like going through fucking the Mex Mansion and going fucking through Alkali Lake and all, all the crazy shit. And then it gets the X Men logo and it comes in with fucking flying letters. It's never. It's always like this loud, bombastic music. That's why I love it because it's so over the top. Like it's so corny. That's awesome for me. But that's 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 the core of the the reason that this I think this movie is getting bad reviews is that for most people who watch this, they're like, this is just corny. Yeah. I could see that. The thing that I love about the intro is it goes through all these amazingly important things of history, like the Renaissance and like World War II, and that says X Men Apocalypse. And I like to think that the movie's making a claim that X Men Apocalypse is an important historical achievement. <laughs> I mean, in the context of its own story, yeah, yeah, obviously I guess. it would be an important. Thing. I guess that's true. It is the apocalypse. I mean, spoilers: the whole world gets ripped apart. <laughs> yeah, so, the whole world gets destroyed, and the movie just ends in space. Yeah, like the episode of Future drama where they get sucked into the void so then we get to the modern day which is uh, opens with cyclops in school uh, it's not the modern day it's 1983 fucking scrub like it matters it's 83. yeah they say it's 1983 well, the year the return of the jedi comes out oh okay well my problem with the movie is that the time time period is largely pointless and 
create some plot holes because uh, unlike First Class and These Future Pass, I don't feel this movie uses timelines as effectively as those two movies. But they wear '80s clothes. I mean, only only sometimes. Yeah. Do, does anyone really care about the '80s? That's true. That's true. They have they have like deleted scenes from like uh, the new show where the X Men go through a mall and they have like a Dazzler album. They they have all this fucking '80s retro shit. That's fun for me. I love there's that. W- there's one scene in this movie when like later on the world is about to be destroyed and you have like a guy with an afro and a boombox or something and you're like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's the 80s and, like, the city. And, and that reminded me that we're in the 80s but they really could have made it like not like fun at all that if we were in that time period yeah so uh so not modern day but in the 80s Psychops Psych- Scott Summers has eye problems and he shoots up the school by accident. <laughs> I mean, yeah. with his eyes. No, don't use that gun. terminology. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he shoots up the school. Real. Cyclops' eye beams blow up uh, a wall of the school, and um, he, brother... he like totally blasts a bully, and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, and Cyclops' brother Havoc, who was in uh, first class, and he's X-Men. like Cyclops, but shoots it out of his pecs instead of his eyes. <laughs> yeah, but um, he takes him to Xavier's. And um, if if you don't know who Xavier is, first, what are you doing you. here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Professor X, the bald guy who's not bald yet. I love that Sly's idea of recapping who Professor X is is the bald guy who's not bald. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, spoilers. But then uh, we cut to Germany, where Nightcrawler, the blue, a blue guy who teleports around, he's next to, he's fighting Angel, a guy with wings, in the in a mutant death match that humans set up. And we, were, and and we, we def- see we see Angel's previous fighter is like definitely like all if not dead just about to die like this is like a this is serious business death match and he yeah. scratches a ten in the tally on the floor with his claw yeah with his, oh with yeah, his wing, yeah yeah wing claw yeah. thing so he's and, on a winning streak and Angel is one of the, uh, becomes one of Apocalypse's horsemen and spoilers he, and because of that I don't want to get to him at all because that makes being him horseman makes you almost automatically unimportant in this film. <laughs> Do you remember last episode how we said there's a lot of characters that are just included for no reason? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like this movie ha- had that problem quite a bit where they wanted to introduce people, uh, Wolverine, and they're just like, okay, bye, <laughs> have a nice yeah. life, just to just to show people, hey, this character's in the movie. All right, that's enough. They don't... They I don't... feel like... I, I feel like with Angel... Uh, Angel is, like, the horseman. Like, that's... Like, he's, like the emotional crutch of the first major apocalypse story. But he's not the emotional crutch movie at all. He's not the emotional crutch movie at all. And I was actually really excited to see, like, a real Archangel plot because he's, it like, one of my one. favorite X-Men characters. And he doesn't do one at all. And, like, that was super bummer. But I feel like they just felt they had to include him because it was Apocalypse. Just so Apocalypse could say, my angel. What? Just so Apocalypse could go, my angel, rise. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Whatever he says. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's pretty, it's pretty damning when... X-Men The Last Stand has a better portrayal of a character than your film. And Angel in X-Men, X-Men The Last Stand is way better than this Angel. And he has way less scenes than this Angel, too. I mean, this Angel That's has true. one line in the movie. He says, yeah. they're going to kill us if we don't fight. Fight me. And then he never talks again. No, he yeah. talks again when uh, Apocalypse first talks yeah. to him. Yeah. He tells yeah. him to piss off. <laughs> and he really. throws vodka at him. Yeah, <laughs> Just like Brian. <laughs> Brian, every time I'm like, Brian, you can be my horseman. You go piss off and you throw booze at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rise, my angel. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Hold on, the thing on. that I wanted to point out... So, Nightcrawler, 
as we'll see later in the film, can teleport really far away. He says, I can teleport anywhere I could see or I've been before. And he can't get out of this tiny cage. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a reason for that, though. The electric, he has a, there's an electric field around it. That he can't, he could, uh, he could teleport through electric fields. No, in this movie, in, according to this movie's plot, he can't. Oh shit, they mention that later. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and movie's holy fuck. shit, fuck. Fuck. But he, he Ryan, does seem to right. be, when he gets thrown out of the cage or whatever he's in, he does seem to be erratically, like, zapping teleporting where he doesn't want to. I think he's, like, you know, in shock or beaten up he's, or something. He's scared. That's right just now. what yeah. he does, though. Every time he fights, because he can't really fight. So when he gets into a fight, he just like get, he panics and he teleports all around the. You know, we the call room. it bamfing in the in the comic world. That is motherfucker. Because <laughs> every time he every time he teleports, it goes bamf. That's always yeah, the sound effect. Yeah, okay. same thing. Like every time Wolverine takes his claws, out, it goes snick. Snick it. Okay. And people call him Snickbub. And uh, Spider Man's webs are thwips. All right. That's <laughs> yeah. good to know. But Mystique comes in and uh, she's like after Days of Future Past. Uh, she basically was the hero of the finale of that story. She basically spares the president and, and fights Magneto. Played and, by Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. America's sweetheart. Now she's going around saving mutants and she saves Nightcrawler from this mutant death ring. And Nightcrawler, even though she's a shapeshifter, like, recognizes her and he's like, you're her, you're Mystique, well, he you're rec- the hero. He recognizes her after she shapeshifts Yeah, but like, but, like, <laughs> it's... Yeah, but, like, he knows, like, when she shapeshifts, he's, yeah. like... She's known as like the shapeshifting hero that saves mutants. Yeah, yeah. like she has a reputation. And they did find a good excuse to have her be Jennifer Lawrence for most of the film because, uh, so she's not blue most of, for most of the film. She's Jennifer Lawrence, blonde haired and everything. And they have a good yeah. excuse for that, even though it's obviously a studio decision. Because um, after these future past, everyone's like, "You're a hero," and she's like, "I don't feel like a hero. I, I, I'm because she's always been like a morally ambiguous character. So she's like, "I don't feel like a hero. Don't call me that. I want to be this other person's blonde chick. I want to be Jennifer Lawrence instead." <laughs> yeah, and the studio's like, Jennifer Lawrence costs a lot of money to put in a movie now. We're not going to have her look like someone else the whole time and have another actor play her. Yeah. I think it, even though they do have an excuse, it, it does come off as weird because she keeps saying throughout the movie, we have to we have to show who we truly are as she's someone else. <laughs> well, she says it at the end, like, yeah. even though I, no, I keep saying that but I have to do it myself. Like, she says at the end, like, I have to do it myself now. I can't be this uh, blonde chick anymore. The studio's letting me transform. <laughs> and she knows that if she stays blue everyone's gonna look up to her as a hero and she wants to just be like an incredibly attractive woman just running through the world <laughs> beating up people and saving mutants so while this is all happening uh, Moira McTaggart which was Charles Xavier's CIA girlfriend in first class he minds right during in the first class uh, she's investigating apocalypse and she finds a cult of apocalypse worshippers and they um... she sneaks into the underground area where these guys are worshipping what appears to be a glowing object and it's activated because she leaves the door open and the sun gets in they and they've never thought like to expose this thing to sunlight or it never got exposed to sunlight i don't know they only worship at night they're vampires but it wasn't you didn't catch night. that subplot? it wasn't at night they've never entered and been like oh we you know the sun just hit this thing and never activated before it had to be her it just it's, it's very it's dumb. weird and a coincidence it's dumb. Yeah, so as he wakes up, he teleports and creates a big shockwave around the world. And uh, Magneto was in um, Poland, some doing some very bad Polish attempts. What are what are Polish attempts like? I feel like you're setting up a racist joke. Uh, <laughs> attempts at Polish. Uh, His accent. Accents. 
the exact he basically same. has gone into living in solitude he's yeah. away from not really solitude not so much solitude but like not in the mainstream society like like he's in a small village they basically yeah. took the scene from Pacific Rim where he's like in a factory and then they come and get him and they're like you need to be part of this movie yeah <laughs> and they do like the they do the same thing where he is like he has a fake name he's working in a factory and he has a wife and daughter yeah, and I bet everyone who saw the movie knew exactly what was gonna happen. Yeah, they yeah. they die. Nabby died. The most lucky, Nabby unlucky died. arrow shot ever. Yeah, yeah. He oh, saves. That, that's another like this. What I was saying, what I was saying to you guys before about how this movie is really good as an excellent movie, but there's so many plot things that are just dumb. Like, coincidental. Yeah, like more than coincidental. Like the plot would not have progressed if not for this random coincidence like okay oh, I so, love just, that. so so very quickly what happens is there's a problem at the factory magneto saves him using his powers and people see it and basically immediately tell the police this is that wanted mutant who attacked the president like 10 years ago and and the police somehow sneak into his house and take his daughter without him noticing i think she was outside playing with that reindeer that she's in love with okay so <laughs> okay so magneto's daughter has powers yeah. She can commune with animals in some fashion. And that's shown early on. Yeah, and and the the reason why she's so the reason I actually think the scene's pretty well done aside from the crazy one thing that happens, but Magneto has told his was telling his daughter about his parents and said they were taken away from me and it's you know, he sees the numbers on his arm and it's cuz he was, you know, in a concentration camp as a kid. And then when the police officers come to take Magneto away, she says, like, you said they wouldn't take you away from me. Like, basically, he's giving himself up, and, and she sees the parallelism between when he was in a concentration camp and what's happening now. And that's when she flips out, and her powers are, like, make birds really mad. I think she can manipulate animals to do whatever. And let Epiphy or something like that. Yeah, because one guy, uh, they brought bow and arrows because Magneto's Magneto. And one guy, like, gets scared and accidentally shoots an arrow through both, both Magneto's daughter and wife at the Without together. looking. He looks up yeah. and is like, shit, a bird. And he lets go of his arrow and it pierces through both of them perfectly. I actually Instantly thought... Instantly killing them. Not, not even like a, like a drawn out death scene. Like, yeah. through the heart, both of them. Shot through the heart and humans are to blame. And another thing to note about this scene is that Magneto was wearing his wedding ring the whole time. So he could have killed them. Well, he I didn't want to kill yeah, them. Yeah, he was trying to live a better life now. I know, but I'm just, I, I thought that was important. Because he, he, no, he's saying, like, I'm going to give myself in, like, just let her go, and they let her go, like, it was pretty peaceful until the birds, yeah. and then, like, I, I just can't believe that Marvel let Fox use Hawkeye, because apparently that's who that guy was, that that <laughs> shot just goes right through his family, and uh, then, like, he instantly takes the locket that has his, his parents in it, and kills everyone there, like, it shows how easily... Magneto could have killed them and just how like he was trying to stay peaceful and not be a murderer and he basically has the realization like I'm a murderer this Time is who to I go will always be murder everyone he's like yeah. I've tried this you know I tried doing it the, the, you know the nice way yeah, it's it, not working yeah it's an X-Men movie so Magneto has to try to be a hero and then be a bad guy cuz that's every X-Men movie you know I thought that scene was actually kind of touching and then but then when he looks at the sky and he's like why <laughs> I was like is okay. this what I am is this, is what, this you what you want from me well to be fair like you might find that cheesy but he is Jewish and like is that, is that hard to believe a Jewish character would do that I had a conversation with someone I saw the movie with 
I had a conversation with God about what do you want from me? And she thought that that scene was kind of silly, and and it is a little silly. But like you're you're saying, like if he's Jewish and and he's trying to you know live a good life, like he's screaming at God because God's testing him. I think you mean Yahweh. <laughs> well, that's the thing is when 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 Apocalypse shows up and he's like, I've also been called Elohim. Shouldn't he have been like, wait, that's God <laughs> from the Bible? Well, uh, you yeah, know, that's true, that's true. yeah, this guy is like a god figure too, like supposedly other people. So it might not be crazy that he's using the god figure too. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, Either way, this is a scene that I felt was done very well for the most part, but it's so the the plot itself is so cliched mm-hmm. that like I've seen this so many times that like. In a bubble, I think the scene would be pretty effective. But as soon as we met his family, I was like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. I could pace this. Ex- like, And it, it just felt very by the numbers. Yeah. You know who else is in a bubble for half the movie? Apocalypse, whenever he moves anywhere. Oh, yeah, he is always <laughs> in that big bubble. Yeah. Uh, that's when he uses the power of Ivan Ooze to travel around. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what, hap- what happens next? So after that, uh, while the shockwave is happening... Uh, from Apocalypse. Also, Jean is getting a nightmare about the end of the world. And she's sitting so in her Jean room. Jean is played by Sophie Turner, Sansa Stark. And she is a telepath, if you're not super familiar with X-Men canon. She was played by that lady whose name I don't remember in the, the original uh, trilogy. Captain Jensen. Yeah. Whatever. Fucking uh, the woman from Men in Black 2. Oh, oh, uh, what, what a... Of course. Oh yeah, no, Iconic I, movie. Am I the only one who thought Sophie Turner... This movie made me think: Is she a bad actress? That's ironic because I, when I watched Game of Thrones, I, when I watched Game of Thrones, I thought she was a bad actress, and this movie made me finally view her as a good actress. Really? Yeah, I agree. So I'm fuck you, Phil. I believe the opposite of what you believe. I didn't wait. Think, I didn't think she was a bad actress in Game of Thrones either, especially now. But I think her character was just really shitty in Game of Thrones. But that's a different story. That, that's 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 what the problem I always had because I I always thought she was very stiff and. Like she didn't deliver. Like even as like, oh, I love Joffrey. Oh, he's my. He's like, <laughs> I, I thought like when she delivered those lines, I never believed it. Like she felt like she was acting. I am acting like I love. Wait, Joffrey. you didn't. She you was acting though. You didn't feel she like that lying. in this. No, I felt like she felt very. I like actually thought she did a great job. I really did not like her. Her actor, or her actress, or uh, Scott Summers. Really, Ty Sheridan. They're... Yeah, I thought they. Fuck you, they're my. They're awesome. my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, I wow. hated the delivery of their lines. So Phil just hates actors. Okay, so that's good. To I know. don't hate actors. Yeah, no, Ty Sheridan, Sophie Turner, my two favorite things, and you're like, oh, fuck them, fuck those. Okay, guys. okay. I think I think Professor X and Magneto are amazing actors. I don't hate actors. <laughs> I like how Phil takes that like that, that, that jab so seriously. <laughs> I don't hate them. Oh. Is this is this the first time, Phil, that you've been called out for having a totally super big giant generalization opinion by Sly? Yes. Well, I mean, in this podcast, yeah. In life, it's like my hundredth time. All right. So I want to get to this. Why do you find they're acting bad? I found especially uh, Sophie Turner's. You know, Scott Summers not so much. He's an annoying teenager, but you know what? He's trying. He. But why is he annoying? He is. Why, why is why he, is he annoying? annoying? Yeah. Because he's the one. Every scene he's in until later on when he finally like nuts up. Uh, early on, he's just like, "This is so lame. I don't want to be at school. I want to go to the mall. Let's go. Let's blow this place." Does anyone have a car we can drive? He does that one time. In yeah. The scene. Also, I mean, that doesn't make him a bad actor. That's the character. He's a sh- he's like a little asshole. That's yeah. why I'm I'm saying for him, you know what? He he's he is supposed to be an annoying teenager, so I can I can get behind that. But I felt like Sophie Turner's lines were very forced. I did not like her delivery of them. I felt like she actually plays a better 
passive character like she does in Game of Thrones than she did as an active character in this movie. I, I feel the opposite. I feel like the Game of Thrones really... Until, I'm, uh, maybe season four onwards is different, but I really felt uh, playing a, like a damsel in distress type, I, I really think really constricted what she was capable of as an actress. But that's my opinion. I mean, if you've been watching Game of Thrones lately, she's Wait, amazing. Don't say, uh, she's uh, not. Yeah, don't, don't, don't say don't anything. Say. Okay, I'm just saying. She's amazing. But anyway, we're not... We can't... Spoil Game of Thrones <laughs> on our X Men episode. Not spoiling anything. She's amazing. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess Phil hates actors, and yeah, we love yeah. all actors. Established. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, Jean is having a nightmare where she sees the end of the world, uh, and it's it's happening as Apocalypse is waking up, and obviously she's a very powerful telepath who can't control her powers, and Professor X is helping her. Yes. Right? That's basically mm-hmm. the whole yeah. thing. I mean, she's, she has, like, visions of things burning. Yeah. yeah. And everyone in the school is terrified of her. Yeah. Apparently. And that's this is why I like Psychos in the beginning, because they have, like, a mutual situation where both of them are, like, outcasts, and they were never popular of anyone, because uh, everyone hates and fears them. Like, X-Men are supposed to be hated and feared. Yeah. And uh, they're, like, the only ones in the school that everyone hates and fears, even, even though the mutants hate and fear them. That's why I like them a lot in this movie, because I felt like... This is the one of the first times in the X-Men cinematic universe that I've really felt like the oh these people really are struggling in our society where when you look at like you know like Hugh Jackman yeah he has like a rage issue but like he's not an outcast he's a beautiful man <laughs> you know you look at like James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender in First Class like they're charming like uh, McAvoy's rich yeah like I feel like they like Gene and Scott were the first and Nightcrawler too were the first time that I really felt like they were outcasts yeah and I think that's what the X-Men's all about I agree I agree with that by the way I don't dislike I didn't dislike the characters at all I just hate all actors you just oh, hate okay. them in real life <laughs> oh, you yeah. don't hate their fictional counterparts you just hate them personally <laughs> Are you one of those people who can't tell the difference between the actor and the uh, the character? You're going to throw shit at them on the streets, so? though? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find them, and I'm going to hurt them. So, uh, <laughs> uh, next actor that Phil hates is uh, Storm. Because uh, uh, Storm is running around in Egypt, uh, uh, stealing shit, using her powers to distract people. When uh, She's not a doing, good thief. Doing a terrible job. Hey, guys, yeah. there's lightning. And they're like, what? And she's like, I, I stole your stuff. And they're like, I see you doing it. Yeah, like, she well, very, very easily gets captured. Yeah. Well, luckily for her, Apocalypse uh, bails her out with his sand-controlling powers. He's Sandito. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sandito. She's, I think that was mentioned, like, basically portrayed that she's just learning how to use her powers. No, the powers part she was good with. She she summons, like, a sandstorm in the middle of a crowded circle. It was circle. a pretty shitty sandstorm. Okay, <laughs> but, like, then she's just like, hey... There's sand, and then she goes right in front of a guy and just takes a basket? Like, steal food she or something. She takes money and then a yeah, basket, which was basket. dumb. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I, I thought she was supposed to be, like, a like an Aladdin type. No, but she's But, like, terrible. first of all, she doesn't have a little monkey, so she's not Aladdin. Cause I she's not genie that. either. I'm, I'm glad yeah, that you no, know that. Well, Apocalypse is basically her genie. Yeah. So now Apocalypse goes and saves Storm, right? Yeah, he saves Storm with his sand needle powers. And uh, then he, she takes him back to her place. And uh, he uses your TV oh, to find out about the world. Oh, and what a great, what a great uh, wait, lucky that, that thing. That needs to be explained a little bit. <laughs> what? Okay, so no, he basically... No, he, how, it doesn't need to be explained. What? It makes perfect sense. You just learn everything on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I grew well, up. Okay, so like we did when we were, you know, children, we just went up to the TV, we touched it, and we knew all of history at once. That's I not what like, you did? I really that's what I do like all the time. Think, 
I really like to think that he absorbed a bunch of 80s cartoons, and that's why throughout the movie, he can, he co- constantly uses the word Smurf in everyday sense. <laughs> I love, too, how he's just like, I, you know, if you watch all TV, you can just learn everything. Like, every documentary about everything is on right now. I can just, I just got everything. Yeah, Okay, here's the thing about Apocalypse in this movie. Even... He has all the powers. He has plot powers. Whatever he has to be able to do, he does. And they hand wave it by saying, like, oh, well, he lived for thousands of years and he kept, like, he kept joining new bodies and then adding new powers to his arsenal. And every time he joined a new body, he would get their powers. But, like, he really can do anything. What he seemingly can't do is what he wants to do, and that's why this is a movie. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, he, he looks to through TV finds out about uh, that uh, Russia and America are superpowers, and he's like super, super powers, <laughs> yeah, super <which> power. Is... <laughs> he gets mad because people aren't worshiping gods; they're worshiping machines. Okay, I actually like his motivation early in the movie, even though the superpowers thing is ridiculous. I find the concept of someone who is like a super Darwinist, who was like only the strong need to survive, where like through technology and the industrial revolution and like nuclear weapons and like like we've kind of trumped evolution, where we like it's, use. It's not okay to say that word anymore. Oh, sorry. Where we he's basically I'm, Trump. I'm triggered. Super I'm triggered. <laughs> <laughs> but he he like is. Basically, through, through like, medicine and everything, we're lifting up the bottom, you know, the weakest of us. And through war, we're giving people like the president, who's not necessarily a physically strong or powerful person, power over the masses. And I find that a really interesting thing from someone from ancient times looking at modern society as kind of spitting in the face of Darwinism and evolution. But it's, it's weird because he's like... He doesn't just think physical strength because his powers are not, like... It's not like he's a, just a buff dude. He... Well, I don't mean physical strength as in, like, my muscles. I mean, like, coming from me physically and not from a machine. But if you like order control. if you order a country to be nuked off the map, you have power. I mean, that's that's power. Yeah, but, like, he's taking it very literally. He hates that technology basically means that... The, that basically, the idea that we have nowadays that technology pr- preserve you, uh, 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 the matter what the what, what your actual ability to survive on your own is. And he hates that concept. He hates just the idea of technology in general that... It allows Darwinism to be basically eliminated from modern society. What I yeah. took it basically to like bring this all together. I I agree with everything you guys have been saying about it. He what a good host. <laughs> okay, I like guests that are just like you guys are the best. He he sees people worshiping their own creations and not a god. He that's that's his that's his whole thing. Like he wants a god to be worshipped and not you know the products of that were being made by lesser beings. So, I, I, I see, it's, I don't know, I'm trying to explain it better. But like, I didn't really take it that way, but that is interest, That is an interesting interpretation. So, if uh, you want to keep debating Apocalypse's vague motivations, <laughs> or you want to go to the spot? So, I think, even though I found it interesting, I do think <laughs> Ryan's the like, should I do have fleshed it out. Yes. No, like, just to, to put a cap on it, like, I found cap it interesting, and I think, obviously, Brian did too, but, like, it's, I still stand by it's too vague for, for like... A cohesive main theme of the it's, movie. It's yeah, way too vague. since we're debating it, it is vague. Yes. Yes. It okay. Is, is to be to be the main thrust of the plot, it is uh, too vague for that. Yeah. Exactly. So what happens now? Mystique finds out about well, it's Magneto. Im- it's important to note that he gives Storm like a boost. Yeah. Well, yeah. He gives, he gives him white, white hair. hair. Big boost. Yeah. He, I love okay. how he just he just can give people power. I think one yeah. of his powers is give people powers. Yeah. 
And also fancy cosplay outfits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he makes them sand outfits. Yeah. He says no superpowers, except you can have some more that's superpowers. Not he, that's not what he meant by superpowers. <laughs> I know, but it's just funny in the context of, like, you're giving people superpowers. I like how you joke, explain the joke, Ryan. It makes it funnier. Well, Brian didn't get it. I got it. I just don't. So anyway, whatever. Anywho. (laughs) Then Professor X goes and finds Moira through Cerebro. And he's like, hey, we've never met. Oops, I roofied you a long time ago, but I'm going to pretend I never met you. (laughs) And he goes to Moira and she's like, exposition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exposition dump. I got to I got to tell you, uh, he's, his name was Apocalypse. And they're like, oh, four horsemen, like the Bible. And he's like, or maybe the Bible got it from him. Hmm, maybe he's really old. And they're like, wow, could that be? And she just basically says what ha- she tells us what the intro was. Like, yeah, she tells that to Professor yeah. X. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this point, while this is going on, Apocalypse gets all his horsemen and he gets Storm. He gets Magneto. I mean, we should explain that a little more. Do we have to? Yeah, I do want to. I do. Wanna, I just want to talk about one thing about the horsemen, and that's just how underwhelming the horsemen are. After Storm, uh, Angel, and and even Sarah to extent, after they get a, a horseman powers, they stop saying anything whatsoever. They stop. Yeah. They, they become Magneto's the only one who stays a character. Yeah, he goes to Psylocke and that guy who speaks in third person. Or Caliban. Caliban. Yeah, Kitty Pride's husband. Yeah, what? What? don't worry about it. Keep going. <laughs> Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Kate Price's husband, Calvin. He just recruits them for no reason. Oh, like, he says, yeah. you guys are strong. And they're like, okay. Like, Psylocke's a bodyguard. He's like, you're strong. Want to be stronger? And she's like, yeah. I just, I just want to talk about that for a second, because Psylocke was hyped so much for his film. And I love Psylocke. It's because Olivia, it's Olivia Munn is a popular actress. Is she? I don't even know. What's she from? She, she's, she's, she was on G4 for a while, and she's in the newsroom as a major character. I like Olivia Munn quite a lot. Also, Me she's too. just the best person. She's great. So she's keep this in mind. Pretty. She turned down Deadpool before this movie because she said, I don't want to do Deadpool because I don't want to be a damn little stressed and do nothing in the entire film. I want to play an actual character. So she picked Psylocke. <laughs> and think about that for a second. She's not a damsel yeah. in distress, but she's not a character either. Also, the, her, the character in Deadpool, uh, for, uh, the girlfriend Deadpool, was way better as the overall character than Psylocke oh. in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't think she wanted to be like a figure. I don't think she wants to be a girlfriend. I think she yeah. wants to be like a character, but like, she... I want to. I want to be Apocalypse's side chick. Yeah, yeah. Like, basically, it seems pretty. It seems pretty arbitrary how Apocalypse picks up his four horsemen. Oh it yeah, is. it's it totally is. arbitrary. He just sees because like she's like, I know where you can get strong mutants, and then he's like, okay, and then they, <laughs> what do they go right to Magneto, right? No, they go to Angel first, and like, here's oh, a yeah. guy with wings. Yeah. That's yeah. super powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this guy won ten whole fights. Yeah, this guy won ten <laughs> fights in a row, and now he has broken like... wings, so he can't fight anyone whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to Magneto, and Magneto thinks that they're like heroes trying to save him, save the people he's about to Magneto murder. Magneto is about to kill all of the people in the factory that he worked in because one of them told the police about his powers. Yeah, and Magneto's like, "Don't think you could stop me." And Apocalypse like laughs and snaps his fingers, and everyone instantly dies. Yeah, he, sa- he sand needles them. He does what he yeah. he does what Magneto would have done to them. Yeah, yeah. And here's here's my problem with Apocalypse, uh, more so than his motivation. I find he looks kind of goofy, like. In some scenes he looks fine, but like, and scenes like the factory scene, he teleports in and it looks like four cosplayers just walked in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think I think Apocalypse looks really cool when it's like these big grandiose scenes. When he's just standing in a room, he does look like a power. It's ranger. because yeah. this 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 movie has all these characters that work really well as a comic, 
And then when you try to make it real life action, it's it it stands out. It like it, it stands out because it's not it doesn't look that right. scene where what the scenes that Sly mentioned is the first scene where you see Psylocke in her silly comic book costume. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. yeah, that definitely is like what 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 are you wearing? I, I would argue for this point because I I do think comic book costumes can work on film. It's just how you frame it. And like one problem with Apocalypse in general is that he's way too short. He's like shorter than Magneto, so it's like this this, this guy, this blue guy, <laughs> instead of being like this fucking mountain like he's in the comics, it's just this blue guy talking to a guy who's taller than him, and he looks kind of goofy. Yeah, usually in the comics, he's like eight feet tall. Well, if you want to be historically accurate here, people were shorter in the past. Yeah, but he was a god. Uh, yeah. uh, also, also, is this movie historically accurate? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, but, okay, come on. You, you can have a touch of realism. Why? Why? Why make it? That's the realism they're going for. Apocalypse is the average so only, height only <laughs> of an ancient people, Egyptian. Only tall people can uh, can be apocalypse. Wait, is, is that why he wants to be a god? He is a Napoleon complex. <laughs> But but like I I honestly think like I think the Civil War like in Civil War they had, they had costumes I never feel like they stood out too much uh, in regular uh, civilian scenes it's just how you frame it and I feel like yeah Brian Singer frames him in such a realistic looking setting sometimes with realistic looking people around him it looks like cosplayers sometimes when he's at the top of like a dust storm pyramid it looks cool when he's in a factory on concrete he looks like a dope. Yeah. It's the same reason that, like, um, when the Dark Knight movies were coming out, what it was, Christopher Nolan was like, I don't want to put in goofier characters, and then puts in Bane anyway. But it, when you have such a... Wait, you think make... Bane's goofy, Phil? <laughs> I heard a dog in the You think the dog is dry, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, when you're, when you're trying to take yourself so seriously and have the setting be so dark... And then you have a green little man walk around and be like, I'm a Smurf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what Smurfs are, Phil, do you? Green I, little men. I do know. but uh, he, 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 uh, he means Also, Martians. Smurfs and Apocalypse are blue. I don't know what he keeps saying. He's yeah, green. all right. So we need to we need to move on. So okay, all, the whole movie is set up now. The the pacing of the movie, the first part is very slow, and I actually like the gradual build up, but it flies through the rest. I think. Yeah. So let's do the same. Okay. Um. So he has his four horsemen now, and he's giving them like sand armor, right? Is that where we're at? Yeah. Mystique has shown up at the X mansion with Nightcrawler and told Professor X about what happened to Magneto. Yeah. And Professor X says, I gotta use Cerebro and contact Magneto. Yeah. And see, like, and tell him not to go murder everyone because they killed his family. Yeah, so he he contacts Magneto while he's in the room with Apocalypse. And Apocalypse is like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, he can, he can tell. <laughs> so he goes, thanks for letting me in. And he basically hacks Cerebro, which allows him to hack every person on the planet yeah. and have them launch all of the nukes in every country into space. Yeah. And, yeah. I think the scene's pretty cool. <laughs> and he, and he, yeah, he does one of the, the, probably the best line in the whole movie. Which... Yeah. And what is that, Brian? If I'm, I'm probably gonna not say this exactly as it is, but he basically does a Tower of Babel thing. He's like, you know, you can, you can climb the Tower of Babel. And you shoot. can throw spears from the Tower of Babel and you will never strike God. And yeah. while he's giving this speech, it's like you see everyone's eyes go black on all the nuclear subs. You see people panicking in war rooms around the world. And it's every country that has nukes in the world is just launching them into space. People are panicking as they see these nukes happening, like, as they're flying through the air. It's a, I think the scene explained can sound lame, but the execution is really, really good. 
Yeah, it's pretty, like, it's pretty high stakes. Although, again, he doesn't have telepathy, but he's like, are you talking to him telepathically? I'm talking to him. I'm everywhere now. Like, he, how does he do that? He has all the powers. But he, he, does, he doesn't have all the powers, because he says, I need one power, telepathy. Yeah, he needs telepathy. He doesn't have telepathy. He's no. I guess he's, I guess I he, we might have uh, technopathy, where he control technology, so he can control... Cerebral. No, but he... Oh yeah, because of all that technology they had in ancient <laughs> Egypt. I think he has telepathy. He just doesn't have like Charles Xavier level t- telepathy or like Jean Grey level. But he takes over. Cere- but, you, but if you use explanation, how is he possessing Xavier to possess everyone else? Like, I, think... uh, I just took it as Cerebro has such a long reach that he basically opened the door that Apocalypse walked in, and Apocalypse wants to be able to open the door himself. But no one else can walk in the door when they're Cerebro. But they don't have plot powers. Also, he can yeah. control. He can like basically he can control like, over... sand. How does he not get it? <laughs> he controls sand, yes, but he also <laughs> seems to be able to control mutants for at least a short I, duration. I think uh, Apocalypse's powers are just as vague as his motivations, and I think that's all we need to say. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. He can he can do what he needs to do for the plot. Yeah. So now, after he disarms all the nukes, he basically just shows up right outside Cerebro, and he's just like, "Hey guys, what's up?" LOL. And then he kidnaps Professor X, and. Oh, before this, Havoc <laughs> tries to save everybody by blowing up Cerebro. And also, yeah, exactly. everyone's saying, oh, this fucking uh, great scene, oh, you can strike God, is their favorite scene. My favorite scene is uh, when uh, uh, Professor X wants Havoc to destroy the, um, uh, Cerebro. Because I can't turn it off. He chooses Havoc and says, wreak Havoc, and Havoc just fucking explodes. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. I thought that was I thought that was really corny actually. That yeah, I love that scene. Havoc. Fuck you guys, best scene in the movie. <laughs> no, we love it too. But it's a good scene. It's just yeah. that, that he saying wreak havoc. I mean, I, we do you remember one of my favorite things in the comics is every time Havoc shows up, he always says cry havoc, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, remember earlier when you're like the movie's corny but awesome? I think a lot of people would see that scene and be like, that's just corny. But well, if people <laughs> think that way have no fun or joy in their lives. Or they don't like love. Whoa, the whoa! <laughs> they must hate actors. Yeah, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> I like that scene. I did. I really did. But yeah, uh, so then as, as, he wreaks havoc again to try to save Xavier, but he accidentally, but uh, Apocalypse teleports out, and Havoc instead accidentally hits Beast's exposed fuel engine for his secret X jet and blows himself up. Hey, yeah, remember when we said things happen kind of coincidentally, like crazy? Yeah. Oops! What a coincidence! Yeah. I shot the power core. Oops! Everyone blew up. Oops! Who's walking by as we're all instantly about to die? A speedster. Quicksilver. So, So, Quicksilver was in Days of Future Past, and he had a really, really fun scene. He's Magneto's son, but Magneto doesn't know it. And he is, now that Magneto is back in the news, because he killed all those people, and he's with Apocalypse, he runs to the X-Mansion to see if Magneto's here, or to see if Charles Xavier's here, to help him find Magneto. And he gets there, and it's a bomb. Yeah. So, what happens? They recreate the scene from Days of Future Past. Exactly. They don't just recreate that scene. They make it, like, ten times better. Okay, yeah. They, they do, but it's, like, literally the same. They put the same song and everything, right? No, it's a different song. Uh, is this, song? Is a, this is a good point of contention because every review, half the reviews I've seen say, this sucks, they just rehash Days of Future Past. Another half is like, it's fucking awesome, they rehash Days of Future Past. I loved it personally. This is also the most fun scene in the whole movie, and yeah. I thought it was such a cool idea the way they did in Days of Future Past, and I feel like this was just, like, a bigger scope version of that. And normally, I would agree that it's derivative, but in a movie this dark, having a couple minutes of just really, really fun, even nostalgic to a level based on Days of Future Past, 
I got really into and I thought it broke them. This was like the really nice halfway point of the movie, in my opinion, where it took a break from the big motivation and like the big plot. And I actually really enjoyed what they did with it. It does. It did feel like like a little bit of like a uh, like a mental refresher. Like you're kind of just like enjoying like ten minutes of nonsense that's going on in front of you. Yeah. Also, it's shot really well. Yeah, yeah the sh- the, the, it's shot really. It, well. it displays. I like how they display the, his speedster abilities to the, to like the audience. I think it's really cool because like they also show his sense of humor really well too. Yeah, he's he's he has a sense of humor while he's saving people. Like things didn't pause like you would you would expect him to believe with like a really fast runner guy. Like things are still happening just really slow and like he's reacting yeah. to them as they happen. But fast enough that like we still see the explosions growing and we see people being affected by it. Yeah. Like he's narrowly saving people sometimes, you know, even though he's so fast. It's lame that they repeated the scene, but it's a great scene. It's like it's yeah. just it's so well done. It's the kind of thing that I want to dislike, but it's just so good that I can't. I just wish this was the first time they did it, and this scene would have been, like, groundbreaking to me. Like it was in Days of Future Past? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he saves almost everybody. Except Havoc. Havoc dies. Except Havoc. And even though it's sad, like, I felt like they actually do, like, Havoc got his great moment to shine. And it's better than when he just killed off half the cast in Days of Future Past, but we're not talking about that, so it's fine. <laughs> And, uh, so he saves basically everybody, but then the American military shows up and says, all the nukes were just disarmed by telepathy, and this is, and the psychic wave resonated from this spot, the home of the most powerful telepath. You guys are coming with us. And they knock out everybody except Gene, Scott, and Nightcrawler, and it's Stryker, who was in Days of Future Past, and he's, like, the main guy from X2. And he kidnaps... Who does he kidnap? Mystique? Moira, Quicksilver, Quicksilver Beast. and Beast. And uh, Jean, Nightcrawler, and Cyclops, like, bum a ride on the helicopter using Jean's powers to, like, make them invisible. Yeah, Jean, Jean got and, tipped off by, like, the helicopter chatter on the radio that they were not coming to help them but to arrest them. And she hit everyone before they, they arrested them all. And this is when Cyclops stops being an annoying teen because he's yeah. like, my brother was, you know, my brother was the one who was supposed to be somebody, like, and now Havoc's dead. I'm just some asshole. And Gene's like, Havoc always thought that you were the one who was going to be somebody. And he's like, how do you know what he felt? And she's like, I know what everybody feels. And I actually think this is one of the most, like, personal character moments of the whole movie. Too bad the yeah. actors didn't suck. Yeah, no, I thought that yeah. was a really good scene. I, <laughs> fuck you, Phil. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I like that scene, too, actually. And like, to- as that's happening, you have Nightcrawler praying... Which you know is interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of like the religion versus like you know Apocalypse is the, is the god, literally the villain. So yeah, it's like interesting when they bring religion into it. Can can someone explain to me why Apocalypse um, didn't nuke everyone with the nukes? He just sent them to space. Uh, Charles Xavier stopped him in time. That's when they destroyed uh, Cerebro. Is that how you took that? No yeah. way. He sent them. He just they were floating think, in I space. He well, said who, no more. No more sticks. No more stones or whatever he oh, says. Oh, then that's why, because he wanted to kill them with brute force and yeah, power, like, not Yeah, he wanted weapons. to rule okay. them, yeah. Like, he was like, no more slings or whatever, no more... He goes through every weapon yeah, ever. <laughs> every weapon up until, like, whatever, and gets rid of... He just gets rid of mankind's defenses. Oh, no, he goes, like, no more, like, rocks and spears and slings and, and swords. swords. No more superpower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what he but... does. Okay, so anyway, they get to this military base, and next at this point, basically, yeah. And at this point, Apocalypse uses Professor X 
to send a message to the whole world saying like basically I'm gonna fuck all your shit up deal with it and and you know he's just saying like the strong will rise and Professor X like throws in a message like please protect the weak and he gets a secret message to Jean that they're in Egypt so now they're trying to free everybody and they get caught so who does who does Jean end up releasing Wolverine time for a cameo I'm Hugh Jackman I appreciated that they didn't make him the focus of the movie like they did with Days of Future Past yeah. where he was playing pretty much Kitty Pryde's role yeah. <laughs> in that story. I actually um, complain about how Wolverine is shoved in everyone's face all the time and I actually really like this scene. Me I too. thought it was really cool. Because I, w- I was thinking to myself like right when I got to that base I'm like are they going to do this? Are, re- are they going to do that? And they and they did and I was like okay. So they I'm release okay him it. but it's pre-X1 Wolverine so he's like a berserk monster and he kills everybody and then goes to run away and Gene... Like, gives him a piece of himself. A couple scattered memories. Gives him his name, Logan, back. And then he, like, shows a little bit more human and runs away. Yeah. And I, I thought this was a really cool, like, way to show Weapon X and, like, pre-X-Men Wolverine. But and I actually really liked it. From a movie perspective, is it good to introduce a character for five minutes who is, like, a, a fan favorite just to kill people and then run off into the sunset? In a standalone film, No. In part of a 10-movie franchise, I am fine with it. Especially okay. since it's Wolverine. Okay. Yeah, it's... it's who, who is seeing this movie that doesn't know about Wolverine? But that's what I mean about the non-comic fans. Yeah. You know, you'd have someone who doesn't know about comics still enjoy Avengers and know what's going on, or even Ant-Man. Uh, sorry, Sly. I think Ant-Man is very unknown to the world. But... Well, he is now. He's fucking... He has... We're not talking about Ant-Man! <laughs> uh, just to counter Phil's fucking point. Did you see Civil War? I did not know. If you fucking see Civil War, the two characters got the most cheers from the audience in my crowd were Ant-Man and Spider-Man. So fuck you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Ant-Man has one of the best scenes in the film. I I loved the Ant-Man movie. I saw saw that recently, actually. I really liked that movie. And I could see a random person who doesn't know anything about comics going to that movie and loving Ant-Man. But here, it's like... I would also argue with you, Phil. All the time. Never not. But uh, they also say, Jean Grey, they're like, who is this? And Jean Grey's like, it's a man, but they've done horrible things. They made him an animal. Mm -hmm. And then she lets him go and he just goes berserk on anybody. Couldn't you also argue that it's the same as if they found like a big gun and used it? Like happens in like the Howard the Duck movie. (laughs) But like, does it need to be an outside force? Like so much of this movie is some other thing comes and moves the plot for us. That's fair. And you also argue the whole entire Alkali Lake sequence is is not needed at all, especially since it slows down the pacing of the, towards the final act. I think think that's very fair. I think it's not needed. I I don't. Yeah, I think, I think I like the scene, but I think it's not needed. Yeah, you could cut this whole thing out. It's definitely not needed. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's, it's like the Quicksilver scene in a way where it's just, it's thrown in there for the audience. Yeah. 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 It's totally unnecessary, but I really enjoyed it when it was happening. I do want to bring up one thing, and this this is uh, this is very indicative of uh, Brian Singer and Fox's mentality towards Wolverine. This is why I think this is my favorite X Men movie, and not by by super by I don't know what, to, what term to use. Like extra circumstances came in and caused it to be this way. But basically, what Brian Singer and Simon Kinberg and Fox want to happen was Wolverine gets free from Open X and he basically takes Mystique's role. He becomes the X-Men's uh, field leader. And the only reason they didn't do that was because they said, if we do that, then Jennifer Lawrence won't have anything to do and be wasting Jennifer Lawrence. 
And that sums up every single X-Men movie. Whenever they had a chance to make Wolverine the center of the stage and take other people's roles, they would have. And the only reason they didn't in this case was because it was Jennifer Lawrence, another big actor. And that's why these films have always been annoying, annoying to me in that, in that fashion. That's one of the reasons why this stands out so much is because it's such a more balanced plot. Yeah. Like, character-wise. But anyway, let's... So what? what is... What is uh, Apocalypse doing at this point, Sly? He, he made up. Uh, he goes to the, the Egyptian city where he, he, they found him, and he's like, "I want this to be the, the start of a new civilization." Now it will be, and he basically makes a new pyramid using all the houses from the people uh, in the city and, and their cars and stuff. He's he's like he, a should, car he just bender. sands up the place. He yeah, sands he, up the place. No, but he sands and things that are not sand, like cars. He turns he turns things into sand. Yeah. 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 So at this point, he's building this giant castle, and while we we're watching it, castle and pyramid. Well, it's no, but it's got like big, t- like it's spike the bo- towers. It's the boss battle room. Yeah, yeah, it's the boss battle room. It really is. And Ariel, Ariel turned to me and she goes, "We're gonna build the highest castle walls and the biggest pyramids, and we're gonna make the humans pay for it." <laughs> <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed that. It's- he's basically building an obnoxiously large pyramid. For no reason. Yeah, he's like, uh, you know the pyramid? That was kind of like the pinnacle of design. I'm just going to make a bunch of those. Because he doesn't just make one. He actually just makes more pyramids. He's like, the great pyramids are not enough. I'm going to make a yeah, bunch. And, and this is a giant scene of like endless debris and like Magneto's rearranging all the metal on the planet. It's not destruction porn. Yeah, it's lots of destruction porn. Yeah, this movie, so what it, this movie does a lot of long, long shots of debris floating through the air. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's a fault of this movie because I think a really good movie would... Because like a movie like Man of Steel would just have people fucking screaming and running in horror and lots of shit breaking. But I think a really good movie is something like The Dark Knight where it personalizes the people in danger, like the people on the boat and stuff like that. And I think that's what a really good superior movie does. It personalizes the people in danger while in this film, it's a lot of it is just disaster porn. I it's, agree. It's not, yeah. Like it's a problem a lot of movies, superior movies have, but it, it is a problem I feel. They just show yeah, boats, definitely. boats flipping that no, you don't know if there's anyone on it. You don't care yeah. if there is. You're just like, They oh. cut to the same bridge three times <laughs> oh, yeah. of a bridge getting like broken apart. Like, it's the same bridge. Remember in X3, the bridge? No. He moves a bridge to get his team to the final fight in X3. <laughs> Magneto. So I felt like they were like teasing that point a little bit. I guess. They were like, hey, you guys remember the bridge? Oh, it's just the bridge. <laughs> teasing all the bridge fans from X3. All that big fan base. <laughs> Because that scene was ridiculous in the other movie, in X3. So, so basically, I mean, this whole third act is really just like lots of disaster porn while the X-Men are in a new jet with new flight suits and they're coming to stop They took the flight suits from Weapon X and, and uh, the Yeah, Weapon Quicksilver X, so. and Mystique go to talk to Magneto to try to get him to stop. And meanwhile, Kurt or Nightcrawler is trying to stop Professor X uh, to stop Apocalypse from taking over okay. Professor X's body. We didn't mention that at all well, that he was going to do. I I want I want to kind of go over that whole thing because okay. okay, so Apocalypse plans to put himself into Professor Xavier's body so he could take his power and then sexy. Yeah, yeah. and then use that power <laughs> to literally be everybody like the master from Doctor Who. Yeah. So um for some reason he puts an entrance to this place that he needs no one to get into. <laughs> That's a really good point. It's like Bowser. Bowser puts, you know, he, I'm yeah. going to leave the key outside. He's really vulnerable <laughs> while he's doing this whole process, but he makes an entrance. But nonetheless, Nightcrawler is going in there with his teleportation and looking for him, and he's like, I can't find him. It's like a labyrinth in here. And then Angel is like, yo, I'm here now, and he swoops in, and they start fighting each other. So just the, basically the whole rest of the movie is just everybody fighting. Yeah. 
there's really not much that happens until like the all this fighting is done. So we can kind of just skip this. The fighting looks real cool. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's cool, to but see it an doesn't matter. Fight where they have uh, multiple powers being used against one villain, which is my favorite part yeah. about X Men. And I wanted like heroes to be like that, and never was. Where you have like a team using their powers in conjunction. Yeah. And yeah. this movie actually has a really cool fight scene like that. Like, yeah. I agree. Like to to me, X Men is like that whole team dynamic where you have yeah. such unique powers working in cohesion. This is what I mentioned earlier with the, uh, by the end of the movie, they're just really fluid together as a team. Yeah. And lots of fluids. Lots of fluids. Yes. Lots of Spider-Man. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, if the fight, they're all fighting in separate little like one-on-one, two-on-two fights. And yeah. The horsemen don't say anything or become an Angel dies and Apocalypse just brushes him off as a waste. <laughs> yeah. He goes, Angel is a waste. He, yeah, he yeah. pretty much, he's like, he's like, what, what do you say? What does he say? Like, he says useless. Useless. Yeah, useless yeah. and Angel's dead. And at, Great character. Nightcrawler, Great Nightcrawler character. actually, Nightcrawler actually saves Professor X, but then the he's plane gets crashed. He's also bald. The plane gets crashed. He's, oh yeah, he's, he's bald. He's bald as hell. When you ever emerge from Apocalypse, you get bald. And because he was like half merged, so his hair fell off, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So now you have the X Men and Professor X like hiding out while Mystique and Quicksilver try to fight Apocalypse and, and they just get totally owned. Well, Quicksilver has this cool little thing yeah. there where he like he beats the shit out of him for a little while. Hard, yeah, he like knocks him around a little, but he doesn't like damage and him. And then at Apocalypse all. just breaks his leg. Yeah, and he's like, fuck you. And basically, he has Mystique by the throat, and he says, I'm going to kill Mystique unless Charles lets me take over his brain. And Professor X is, obviously, he cares about Mystique, so he opens up the connection, and he thinks he's going to be able to, like, mind fight Yeah, they they have to mind, the the classic mind battle from the comics. And then he comes in, and he says, you are my house now, bitch. And he punches uh, Fox right in the face. It's such a cool scene. I always wanted them to have a... I loved in the comics when Professor X would mind battle people and they'd be, yeah. like, fighting in, like, a dimension. Yeah, I find and it they, awesome. They, they do I always that find it really too. cool. But, but this in this case, uh, he starts owning Apocalypse, but then Apocalypse is like, oh, I get how it works now. And then he just starts smacking down Xavier and growing, like, ten times his size. And like, yeah, and the rest of the team, while this fight's going on, the rest of the team are trying to fight Apocalypse. Like, Magneto turns good, because Mystique reminds him that he still has a family. I actually really like this scene, by the way. Magneto drops two steel beams <laughs> forming an X in front of Xavier. It's so corny. Yeah, but it's, it's so awesome. super corny, it's, but I love it. I took it as X-Men, not Xavier. It is, like, yeah. it is like X-Men, but it's like, instead of, instead of being like, my friend's about to die, let me throw a metal beam. He's like, but first, check who we are, X. X-Men. That's fucking I mean, awesome. Like, Fuck you. I, mean, I will not hear any other words. I'll, I'll, crazy. If, you know, to make an X, like, stopping his path. How about you hit him with the beam? He doesn't see you yet. Well, he also hits him with a bunch of beams. Yeah. Later. Later, he's like, oh, oh, now that you've seen me, I'm going to push metal into your force field. All right, so Phil's the, no, fucking, he, he, Phil's the fucking killjoy. He's going to fucking destroy <laughs> some uh, It's awesome. <laughs> it's super cornball, but it's awesome. It's corny, but so awesome. anyway... Yeah. At the same time, Storm sees that Mystique is standing up against Apocalypse and realizes that, like... She takes forever to realize She does this. take forever. But she's like, oh, Mystique's my hero. Fuck Apocalypse. Even though we just killed, like, a million people, <laughs> I'll be instantly forgiven and welcome back to the X-Men. Or welcome to the X-Men for the first time. Yeah. And... They kill a lot of people. They kill a lot of people. They destroyed that bridge three times. <laughs> so, 
So now professor the professor's getting like his ass kicked and he's calling for Jean to help him to let Jean! her powers loose. Jean! Nobody yells Jean and it bothers me. He's just like Jean, Jean and all I wanted was for someone to go Jean. What do you no, mean? But he like, says Jean, he, he release no. your power. But release I want someone to like power! yell it. Because that's, like, a thing. Everybody always yells, Gene! He's, like, bleeding in, like, his mental world. And then he's like, you'll never win. And Apocalypse is like, what do you mean, LOL? I don't know, JK! JK, LOL. Yeah, he's like, because you're alone, and I have friends. And Gene shows up, and it's... I think this moment's pretty awesome. It's Ariel's favorite part of the movie. I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, she basically, like, phoenixes out and just fucks Apocalypse. Yeah. Not, not literally. She fucks him up. Yeah, not literally. Oh, I thought you meant literally. This is X. This is Triple X Men. Ryan was confusing you with the porn parody. Yeah. And uh, then once once the Phoenix like opens up Apocalypse's mind, then everybody just like all. That's when all the metal gets through the force field. That's when the lightning gets through the force field. Cyclops and... pulls off his glasses and he's like he falls down at first, but then he just starts blasting yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. And this is when Apocalypse looks at the Phoenix and goes, "All is revealed." So obviously. The phoenix is, like, the strong that will, you know, reshape the world in Apocalypse's eyes or whatever. And then everyone's happy, because... Only a million people died. Yeah, only a, a whole lot of people. Oh, yeah, and, it's and also, they... it's, it's established that it's not like they were just blowing up structures. Like, Magneto's actually destroying the world from the ocean core. Like, yeah. he, the, all these scientists are like, yeah, it seems like the ocean floor is rising and the world will be destroyed soon. So they... Everything... Yeah. Everything since the Bronze Age is going to be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, so there's no way there's no way Magneto can kill like a, a, at least a hundred thousand people. And yeah. Professor X is like, oh, you you level scamp, go on you. Get and that that's my main flow with the movie is that Magneto and Storm kill so many people, and then it cuts to Magneto and Jean rebuilding the X Mansion, and everyone's just like, that makes what a great it. dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Storm's like, I think I'll hang out here for a while. And, like, it's... Biz- what? The world, like, interprets Magneto as being, like, the guy who helped fight off the main threat. So he kind of just, like, rides with that. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> and that's... And everyone's okay with that. Yeah. But what's weird is how many of the horsemen were just, like, mindlessly, like, okay, I'm on your side. Except Magneto. He had a reason. And then they just all turn on him, and they're like, wait, I shouldn't kill all of humanity after Except... I've been doing it. To justify a little bit, they are supposed to be, like, outcasts of, of society. Like, we... Like... The people that, that humans have mistreated, and uh, Angel is a guy who was in the fucking death match, has his wings fucked up, now he's useless in that regard too. Uh, so, uh, Storm was a fucking thief in the streets of Cairo. They uh, should have done a lot more. Magneto's the only one who got a really good treatment of that because they yeah. actually, Apocalypse brings him to Auschwitz, and they like, yeah. he's like, look what people did. If it's and... not a problem this movie, um, it's a problem, like, I feel like Magneto's arc didn't really need to be in this film at all. I feel like his arc could have been given to give the other horsemen more development. I understand why, because it's Fassbender, and because you want to have him in there, and he's a good actor, and it's a good arc, but I feel like they're retreading ground, like he's, he loses another family again, and now he has to get revenge <laughs> again, and he, like, I like, it just feels like, he, and the fact that he gets so much more development than all the other horsemen, I feel like it's, 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 it's more of the problem that all the X-Men films have, where the biggest actors get the most screen time, even if they don't necessarily need it to develop the characters further. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. So basically, the only other thing that happens is you get a scene of Mystique training the new generation of X Men, which is Quicksilver, Jean, Nightcrawler, and uh, Cyclops, and they have really sweet new costumes. 
<laughs> very very comic-y costumes. They're, they're really... Yeah. It's their, they're yeah. in the danger room. Yeah, they're in the danger room fighting, like, you know, holograms of sentinels and stuff. I know, they're and real sentinels. Like a, they're real fucking sentinels. They looked real to me. They well, I mean, but, yeah, they're hard light, whatever. Not important. Not gonna kill them, hopefully. Yeah, they're not gonna sentinels. kill them. As far as you know, this is the last yeah. X-Men movie, Ryan. Yeah, it's a very, like, X-Men, like, look to the future, look at this new team. Yeah. And, like, that ending made me feel pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And you see Professor X with his traditional look of no hair. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he's in the suit instead of, like, the super, like, laid back, more hippie Professor yeah. Xavier. Yeah. And uh, that ends the movie. And they, they, yeah, Magneto leaves the mansion. He's like, can I convince you? Yeah. Professor X is like, can I convince you to stay? And he's like, you could if you really wanted to because, you, you know, telepathy. But then he's like, okay. In case the audience forgot what you do. <laughs> And he's like, oh, peace, I'll see you later. And we don't know where he goes. Yeah. I, I don't want to rag on this too much because I, I keep ragging on Magneto's arc too much. But I also hate that because the reason why he turns into Apocalypse is because he realizes I have a family. It's the X-Men. I want to go back to them. I betrayed them. Now he's like, fuck you, X-Men. I'm leaving again. It's also implied that there's a pretty long amount of time in between those two scenes of okay. him coming back and rebuilding the I, I, I'm sick of you already. I'm leaving. leaving. I, can't, I, I, I like you in theory, but I can't stand on being around you too long when he leaves. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Do you really want to look into it? He's probably afraid of losing another family, so he leaves. No, but he's like smiley about it. But that's not important. To be yeah, fair, yeah, uh, yeah. it's probably like Wolverine. Like Wolverine doesn't like hanging around the X Men either, but he likes the X Men in general. Like he doesn't like yeah. sticking around, but he likes being with the X Men. Yeah. Okay. So, final judgments. Was it a good good movie, a good bad movie, or a bad bad movie? I, I'm not gonna say it was a good bad movie. It was a good good movie. Yeah, I thought it was. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What about well, you guys? Good, good movie. Um, I think as a, as the end of a trilogy, there was too much retreaded ground. I mean, we just said Magneto's backstory. We have the Quicksilver scene redone. A lot of stuff is just redone or underdeveloped for the end of a trilogy. Yeah. But it's a great movie. I think, especially if you're an X Men fan, this movie is really good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what about you, Sly? Like we were like I, I can indicate a lot of times this corny stuff is a movie, but if you're an X Men fan. Unless you're Phil, you're all for that shit. You're all for. I liked it. I liked it. I said. I said it's corny, and to many audiences, this is not going to appeal to them. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's another thing that's fair. This is not going to change your mind. But if you're if you're if you're into this with open mind and you want to, you want to like the movie, you will probably like the movie. And you have to be into over the top corny stuff sometimes. Like I, I love yeah. giant robots and stuff like that in movies. I think it's corny sometimes, but it's awesome. This yeah. movie has a lot of corny but awesome stuff. I walked in to see an X-Men movie, not like a romantic thriller. You know, like, yeah. it is it is what it is. It doesn't transcend the genre like a lot of the recent Marvel films has, but it's a very solid film in the genre. I agree. I think that if this movie came out, like, years ago, it would not get the hatred that it gets now. Like, oh, totally. I totally. I think it's way better than X-1. Like, X-1, uh, I, yeah. feel, I feel X-1 uh, feels a lot less like a superhero movie and it has a lot more goofy, uh, unintentionally funny scenes in it. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, I just want to remind everybody to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, at Divisive Issues on Twitter, Divisive Issues the Facebook page, and DivisiveIssues at gmail.com, all that stuff. Also, by the time this airs, uh, we'll have, I'm pretty sure we'll have passed 1,000 plays. So, thank you, guys. This is awesome. Cool. It's weird recording this with Brian in the room because usually I'm just talking into a microphone and now I'm looking right in Brian's soul. <laughs> I'm watching you look at him. Don't do that. <laughs> Never forget, um, I, I hate all actors, so if we ever yeah. do another movie, I will, I'll hate them all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 
Final segment is recommendations. Brian, recommend something. It could be anything. It could be anything. It could be... Sometimes we do, like... We try to do things that are like this. If you didn't like this, what does this better? Or if you did like this, what's related? Um, I, I know... I think Sly recommended X-Men uh, Evolution in the past. You can recommend it again. That's fine. But, uh, you know, that's what drew me into X-Men as a teenager. And I really think it's a great show. Um, so check it out. Yeah. And also, <laughs> in my opinion, it does the best apocalypse out of all X-Men media. Even better than this film. I didn't see... I, that's where I, st- like, I got up to. And I recommend you watch on... the fourth and final season. I don't know where it got cut off for you, but the fourth and final season is pretty cool. So even without having seen the whole thing, I do recommend that. What about you, Sly? Um, I would recommend a big event from the 90s called X-Men Age of Apocalypse, which was an event where Professor X's son goes back in time to try to stop, uh, basically kill Magneto before he becomes Magneto. He's like, I, I don't want uh, him to be the fucking evil bad guy, bad guy he is in the future. And basically when he goes back to when him and Professor X are friends, and Professor X sacrificed himself to save Magneto's life. And this reality... He basically creates a new timeline where, in this reality, uh, Magneto, to honor Professor X's memory, becomes the the X-Men. But when the Apocalypse comes around, the X-Men he trains aren't fit, suited to defeat Apocalypse. So when he when when uh, Apocalypse rises, uh, the X-Men fail and Apocalypse takes over the world. And basically, all the X-Men books at the time were replaced with a mirror version from the Age of Apocalypse universe. And not only is, is it probably the best Apocalypse comic story. But also some of the different uh, t- uh, stories within the, that uh, period of time are some of the best X-Men stories I've ever read. I re- highly recommend you read the whole entire thing. I agree. It's real good. I'm going to recommend Rick, Reman- Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force. It has some. It plays with the concept of Apocalypse in really, really cool ways. If you want to know why I really love Archangel or Psylocke, this is the story for both of them. And uh, I just, it's great. And also Deadpool's really great in it. So there's that. And also Age of Apocalypse comes into that too. Yes, it is. It does have a pretty great sequel to Age of Apocalypse. What about you, Phil? So I would, you know, if I was, I'm trying, I'm going to try to not recommend comics most of the time. Um, to be Why is like, that? The, uh, the non-comic fan. I hate comics. Uh, but for comic- <laughs> I hate comics and I hate actors. But surprisingly, okay with comic actors. <laughs> uh, except Sophie Turner. And so there are, uh, for the comics, I think there's, you know, Dark Phoenix Saga. I don't know what issue that is. You guys would know better than me, but it's one of my favorite X-Men comics that I've read. Um, And for a non-comic recommendation, X-Men Legends, the video game. Oh, Uh, you played that? Yeah. That's pretty cool. And it's, it's, like we've been talking about, what what makes the X-Men fun is the team aspect. It's kind of like an action RPG um, where it's all about building your team and putting all your points into focus if you're Cyclops. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's it's fun to build the team, have them work together, uh, level them up. It's a, it's a good experience, and it gets you time to play with the diff- you know to play with the different X Men to play with them. Just to explain Phil's in joke, when when uh, we first played this together. I said, oh, you should probably have points to focus when you're Cyclops. And... So Sly, Sly always has shit attack, shit defense, but he just uses I-beams and murders everyone. And I've never lived that down ever since. But, you know, really, it's a good strategy, I think. Final twist, Sly was right. <laughs> yeah, what a twist indeed. <laughs> I'll, I'll never admit it. Okay, so thank you guys. We've been Divisive Issues. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapple. 
I'm Phil Mavrikis. I'm Brian Aarons. Stay in continuity. It's me.